Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. This is Saturday morning, July 17th. I'm Tom Short, so glad to have you along. And so Saturday is a little bit smaller audience normally, a smaller group, so I've got a couple personal announcements that I'd like to start off the day with. Uh, first of all, a special welcome into the world to Judah Thomas Kimball, my grandson born last night to my daughter, Christine and Kimball, Christine and Jonathan Kimball, weighed in at 10 pounds. And so those of you who know Kimball and Christine and enjoy their music. And if you don't listen to their music, you might check them out. Kimball and Christine, they're on YouTube. They've written a lot of music, done several albums. They're great musicians. You would really enjoy them. So welcome to the world, Judah Thomas Kimball. Secondly, you know, there's a couple announcements at the beginning here each morning. My trip to Israel, technically the early bird deadline ended yesterday, but get your registration if you're interested in going. I know there's concern about traveling to Israel, international travel, vaccines, we'll be able to pull it off and all. If you get your registration deposit and we don't do the trip, we don't keep your money, it's all returned. But if you're interested in seeing the Holy Land and visiting Israel, we're going next February. This will be our fourth trip. We put on a great trip, have a lot of fun together. We learn together, do a lot of worship together. It's not just an academic trip. This is a spiritual experience. And if you'd like to be a part of it, get your registration and go to TomThePreacher.com, register today, and, and we, we could extend that early bird deadline by a, a few days or something. So get your registration and let us know if you're interested. There are potentially still a few spots, but we are filling up. We're getting close to a full trip. So if you're interested get your registration. And secondly, or third announcement, I guess, uh, I on there about going to the Creation Museum. The Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter down in Cincinnati are two attractions really worth seeing. They are eye-opening. They're very well done. Top-line excellence. I love going there. I've gone there many, many times. I take my interns there each year, and people go, and they, they learn so much, but it's a, a it's a good experience. It's a wonderful place to be. The Creation Museum people, the Answers in Genesis people, they put on a, they have a high level of excellence. I think you'll really enjoy the trip. If you'd like to go, even if you're from out of town, you can still join us in Cincinnati on July 30 and 31st. And uh, if you're interested, contact me. Write me at tom at tomthepreacher.com. And I'll put you in, and I'll get you more details if you're interested. And finally, people have been telling me the video cuts off at the end. We've got some new software that enables us to do things a little bit differently, some different camera angles and so on. Evidently, it's cutting off. You're only losing about one or two seconds. So it's not like you're missing anything important. It's pretty much you're missing hearing me say goodbye. I'm still trying to figure out what the problem is and how to fix it. But you're not missing much, evidently. From what I've checked, you're only missing like about one or two seconds. We read on Saturdays from my book called um, Taking It to Their Turf, and I'd like to read a story. And then as the title of today's message, Should Christians Even Try and Change the World? We've been talking about a worldview and how your understanding of, of where we've come from, what is our purpose, what's the problem in the world, how do the problems in the world get solved, um, should Christians even try and fix the world? It's a big question. A lot of people don't even think so. They think because of the end times and because of the return of Christ, this world's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Don't even try and fix it. Don't try and make, a, make it a better place. 
Well, that was a question I got asked at Virginia on the Virginia Tech campus a number of years ago. I'd like to read that story and then afterwards give a little bit of my theological understanding, uh, a little bit further than I explain in the story in my book, okay? It's called Never a Dull Moment. Andrew was a 22-year-old physics major at Virginia Tech University. He was pretty sharp and obviously intelligent. He was also an atheist. I had not been preaching long before he asked the first question of the day. If Christians believe Christ is coming back soon, and what really matters is getting people to heaven, why would they care about what happens on this earth? Why would they have any motivation to care for the environment, work for peace, cure diseases, or, or any other good that might come in this world? Well, that's a good question, a thoughtful question, and the first of many he would ask that day. With each one, he listened carefully to my answers and processed what I said. In some cases, he agreed. In others, he didn't. But he was courteous and respectful throughout the day. Around 5 o'clock that afternoon, I normally start at noon and preach till about 5, I asked him a question. Tell me how you became an atheist, I asked. When I was growing up, I regularly went to church with my family. But about age 14, I decided I, it didn't make sense to me. I didn't believe, and I became an atheist. I've not been back to church since. Wait a minute, I said somewhat incredulously. You haven't been to church in eight years and yet you've sat here listening to me the last five hours? You're interesting, he said. Those two words served as one of the nicest compliments I've ever received and one of the most succinct indictments of many modern-day churches, which are, to be honest, rather boring. I've long felt that one of the worst things a teacher of God's Word can do is to be boring. The Word of God is alive. It enlightens our eyes and restores our soul. It's like water to the thirsty and food to the starving. When Jesus spoke the word, the hearts of the people were burning within them, Luke 24, verse 32. If you're bored hearing the Bible being taught, it's not the Bible's fault. The fault lies squarely on the shoulders of the teacher. In my early days of preaching at the University of Maryland, I realized I couldn't have a dull moment or I would lose the crowd. Students skipped classes to listen to the preaching. Sometimes they would be late to work or an appointment to hear, they'd be late to work or to an appointment in order to hear the preaching. These days, there are a thousand things students can do online or on one of their devices if they get bored listening to me. The Bible is relevant. Preachers don't need to watch the latest movie or listen to the top popped songs to be relevant. They simply need to address what people are thinking about and give honest, straightforward answers from God's word. Why is it that I can hold the attention of young people for hours on end, day after day, when those same people have trouble sitting through a 30-minute sermon? It's pretty simple, and I think Andrew is right. You're interesting. Here's a word to pastors and preachers everywhere. Preach like you really believe the Bible is the living word of God. What an indictment. What a statement. You're interesting. You're interesting. And why? Because I speak about the things that matter to people, and I, make it, and I speak about life. And here, even as we've been talking about worldview issues, these are things that many churches shy away from. They're afraid of losing people. They're afraid of offending people. They're afraid of 
things of this nature. Now, that's a normal, you know, we're all afraid of that. And, and we don't want to be too hard on our pastor when we're kind of often afraid ourselves. We might, send, we might say something that offends someone and drives them away, ruins a relationship. But pastors, if you're listening to this, we've got to speak the truth. We speak in the fear of God. We speak about the things that matter to people. We're not just trying to keep an audience. We're trying to win people to Christ. We're trying to educate the people. We have a solemn duty, as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. The days will come. Paul says, I solemnly urge you to Timothy. By, his appear, by the authority and power of our Lord Jesus, by his, his, appearing, his, his appearing, that you preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort it with great patience and instruction, for the days will come when they will no longer listen to sound instruction, but simply wanting to have their ears tickled. They'll accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Don't us be like this. Now, Andrew raised a question I want to comment on because an awful, he must have had some conversation with some Christians, and an awful lot of Christians do think that. Why even try and make the world a better place? I mean, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. It says in 1 John 5, 19, Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. He told us we're not of this world. And he said, though we are in the world, we're not of the world. But he did send us into the world. And the, the question does come. I mean, one other thing, Jesus said, when the people were hungry and they wanted to be fed, he told them, well, don't work for the bread that just, you know, feeds your soul, but work for that which is the eternal life. Seek the bread of eternal life. And Jesus certainly did say that eternity and eternal values and eternal rewards and eternal benefit is more important than temporal. Okay? Let's do be clear. He brought a kingdom, and the kingdom is one that's eternal. And so many things that do concern people are those things which are temporal. And he does want us to say Broaden your perspective. Think of that eternal. But we don't want to pendulum swing and become so extreme that we, don't, that we neglect the importance of what is involved in this world. James chapter 2 tells us that if you see someone who's hungry and you just say, hey, brother, go be warned, be filled, be saved, but you don't take care of him, you don't help him, you don't feed him in his temporal need, what good is that? He says, true and an undefiled religion, it says in James chapter 1, is to care for those who are the needy, the orphans, the widows, the needy of our world, to help those in need. Christians, we have a long history, a long history of doing good in this world. Christians have done more good for more people than any other religion, any other philosophy, any other ideology. We are the ones behind so many of the advances in human rights, in, 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 um, in hospital and health care, in education, in, in opening up dignity and life and opportunity for the masses of people, not just the elite. We, and particularly the Christian message, that is, and it's gone progressively. We've learned through the years the Reformation made a huge change in the way people were treated in understanding of the, the innate dignity of all people and breaking down the class distinctions even that we used to have of the clergy laity. Christians have done more to bring freedom, opportunity, advances in lifestyle, 
I mean, there's just there's just not even close second what we have done and Judeo-Christian, the Jewish people as well. We're grateful for this. What is our theological understanding? The way I've come to believe is, yes, God's kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, is a future event. But I believe it's also here now. The kingdom is here now, but it's not here in its fullness. The kingdom is wherever the king is acknowledged. Wherever you and I as individuals honor King Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the kingdom of God. And we bring the goodness of the kingdom into the world, into our personal lives, but into our families, hopefully into everyone we touch. And the more the Christian faith progresses, the more of the, not progressive, expands like leaven through a lump of dough, the, the greater are the light we bring and the salt we bring. We're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The greater good we bring. Christians, why should we help solve the world's problems? Because the great commandment is not only that we love God, but the second is that we love our fellow man. Christians are driven by love. We ought to be. And where you have love, you seek to help and serve and benefit other people. I delight in my life because I'm a Christian. I delight to help other people's lives. It might be as small as giving them a smile to them. It might be serving a neighbor. It might be helping a person. It might be teaching the word. It might be any way that I can benefit and bless another person. I want to do it because as Christians, our Christian worldview says that we're to love people. We're to serve people. This is what we were created to do. This is what we were created to be as, as children of the King of Kings. We're to be like our King. We're to be like Jesus. Walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. We also walk in love and we do it whether it's, that's not just preaching the word to them. That's in every way we can. We serve, we bless, we benefit, we love, we care for. We're to be generous people, giving people. If God has given you talent in an area of a scientific area, go use your science to benefit humanity. If you have great technology skills, don't just get rich off it, although there's nothing wrong with making money, but go serve people. And indeed, that's how you, little hint here, that's how you make money, solve people's problems, serve people, bless people, and in our economy, money comes back to you. So, my friends, be interesting. Talk about what matters. Serve people. Yes, we set our hope ultimately on the second coming of Christ. We realize our world where there's going to be a conflict between the domain of darkness and the kingdom of God, between the world and God's kingdom. There'll be a conflict until Christ comes back and wins it all. But in the meantime, where Christians are walking and prevailing and loving and serving, we not only fix our mind on the, on the things of God and benefit ourselves, but we also we also are a benefit to others. We are a blessing, and you should be, and we will be, because we walk with God, and our God is a God who, who gives life and blessing and love to others. Amen? That's our marching orders. Wherever we are, we love people. Wherever we are, we are not overcome by evil, but we overcome evil with good, as Romans 12, verse 21. And we want to be known as people who do, eat, do, who, excuse me, who do good, who bless others, who love others, who make a difference wherever we go, including leading them to faith in Jesus Christ that they too might inherit eternal life and be a blessing to others. 
Father in heaven, we love you today. We thank you. We thank you for how practical it is to be a follower of Christ. You bring us into a kingdom that is topsy-turvy to the world. You tell us that true life is found in losing our own and finding you. You tell us to love even our enemies. Where others would hate, you tell us to love. Where others want to be dominant, you tell us to serve. We thank you that your kingdom principles shake the world and turn it on its head. We believe that, and we thank you you've called us to live this different, different life. Oh, Father, today I pray in Jesus' name that we'd be people who make a difference in this world. Fill us with the joy of the Lord. Fill us with the victory of the Lord. Might we be life-giving people, channels of the life of the Spirit of God flowing through us, that everyone we're around, they, they sense life, they sense encouragement, they sense peace, they sense love. Might we be the channel of all of these things from our God to a needy world. And how we pray your kingdom would grow, your will would be done. How we pray, Father, for great salvation in our land. How we pray that, that as Christians we would rise up, we would live the life you've called us to live, and we would attract many, many people to you. Give us boldness. When people, when people do look at us and they like us, help us to be quick to give you credit and to call people to the same source of life that we've discovered. We're only a branch, and you're the, you're the vine. We're only a branch. Help us. We're connected to you. This is our life. Help us to connect others to you as well, that they might find that life as well. Father, we bless you today. We love you. We thank you. And we do fix our hope on the return of Christ. We thank you your kingdom is coming. Thank you one day you'll put an end to all evil. Thank you the wicked will no longer even, the fight will be over. We'll reign in victory. And until then, Lord, though we stand with you for what's good, right, true, we pray for boldness and grace. We do pray, Lord, also for those of us who live the word of God and those who preach the word of God. Oh, might we never give it in a boring way. Might it be alive life-changing. Thank you. Your word is alive. Let us deliver it as if it really is alive. Thank you, Father. We bless you today, and thank you in Jesus' name. And I pray for Andrew, wherever he may be, this fellow from Virginia Tech. If he's not found you yet, I pray he would, and he'd never forget that exchange he had with me, and he'd come to you and be, be a follower of Jesus Christ and a believer. In Jesus' name, I ask it now. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, hey, God bless you, and you have a great day. Don't forget, if you're interested in the Creation Museum or the trip to Israel, let's act quickly. Con drop me an email, tomthepreacher.com, tom at tomthepreacher.com, for information about the Creation Museum. Or if you want to go to Israel, you go to my website, click on the Israel icon, register, and that'll be get, get you in the loop for more information. And you have a great day. Remember, by the way, if this video cuts off, Quickly, then you miss my last second or two. I'll make sure you don't miss too much, okay? So just a blessing. God bless you. You have a great day, and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning, Sunday morning. Join us in time of prayer and the word. We'll see you then. You have a great day. Bye-bye.